What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Are you ready to draft Trey McBride and Kate Otten and Daniel Bellinger? Are we going to talk about those guys? Now, we're going to talk about Kyle Pitts. And Chigo Conquo, this is the Chigo Conquo show. I've fallen in love with Chigo Conquo this morning, getting ready for today's podcast. Pat Fryermuth, Greg Dulcich, there are some good names here. And you know what? Try to remind me, uh, Schaefer, maybe next year, try to remind me to schedule the year two, three tight end episode uh, on the first day of the NFL Combine because we do have some really good quotes and big news coming out of the NFL Combine. We're going to need that to supplement the content today. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Heath Cummings. I am the best salesman of a fantasy football episode, I would have to say. Uh, guys, convince me that uh, that we have some interesting tough stuff to talk about here, Dave Richard. We definitely do because fantasy managers have long wanted to get the next Travis Kelsey without paying the Travis Kelsey price tag. They would love to do it without having to pay the Kyle Pitts price tag, too. So our job on this show should be to identify the players that have the best chance to be the guys that we're going to take after the midpoint of our drafts and return value of uh, of a top five, if not top one, fantasy tight end. Does that player exist? Can that player exist? We will answer that in the next 40 minutes. Listen, I think... Three of my top 10 are going to be discussed. My 2023 top 10 are going to be discussed on this show. Four of my next 10, so seven of my top 20 tight ends, are either year two or year three tight ends. That's like a third of the potential usable tight ends. Awesome. That's that's good, actually. Um, who Your top 10. Okay, so it's Pitts for sure. Is Oconquo in your top, tw- in your top 10? No. Oconquo is like sixth or seventh amongst the group of players we're going to talk about for me. Okay, so Pitts, Fryermuth, Dulcich? Yes. yes. Dulcich, okay. I didn't know who the who the third guy was. I knew it was Pitts and Fryermuth. Uh, all right, yeah, listen. So Travis Kelsey didn't really break out until his 
fourth year, third season. He missed his first season. Mark Andrews, rookie season, 34 catches, 552 yards, three touchdowns. This is the path that tight ends take. They they really do anything as rookies. And then the one time you get a 1,000-yard rookie tight end, he has the worst second year ever, and that, of course, would be Kyle Pitts. Which brings us to some fun facts about some year two and three tight ends. Uh, among tight ends with 40 or more targets, here were the top six in yards per route run. Let's go six to one. Ready? Six, Kyle Pitts. Five, George Kittle. Four, Dallas Goddard. Three, Mark Andrews. Two, Travis Kelsey. Number one, I'm in love. Chig Okonkwo, number one in yards per route run among all tight ends with 40 or more targets. We get a Heath moan about that. Why why are you not feeling the love for Chig? Um, That will matter a lot if he becomes a full-time player. He played more than half the snaps for the Titans twice last year. We have seen multiple times over the last three or four years in Tennessee part-time young tight ends that remain part-time tight ends and then eventually turn into part-time old tight ends. Um, I don't... I'm going to have to see him become a full-time player or hear that their plan is for him to be a full-time player before I believe it. I got a quote for you here from offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. We're going to elect to continue to grow his skills and his abilities so we can utilize him more. That's what he said about Chigo Conquo. It's not so he's going to be a full-time player, but it is we're going to use him more. He has work to do to, if he wants to play more, is what I hear. No. He must I, grow his skills and his abilities if he's going to play more. No, we're going to elect to continue to grow his skills and abilities so we can utilize him more. Okay, but Tim Kelly is not the person who will be... like He, he will have a part in growing his skills and abilities, but he... He's, he, the current player is not going to play more. I, you don't read that as we're going to use him more? No. No. I do. I don't. Because we, they can't commit to that yet. They're committing to trying to get more, um, and not get more out of him, but like make him a better player and try and make him more impactful. And here, here's, here's the reality of the situation in Tennessee. Let's just put aside for a second that they've always been a, a run first type of offense. Who's most likely to lead that team in targets next year? Yeah, Traylon Burks. Who was second? Oconquo. Uh, no. I don't know if he's most likely to, but he's on the list. Who's second? Right. Who's second most likely to lead the two? Who's who's most likely to be second on the team in targets? A player to be named later. It could be a player to be named later. It could be a different tight end that we're not even talking about. I mean, but Okakwo's in that mix. And I think that that's a good, this is the good type of starting point that you're looking for when it comes to back half of draft sleeper tight ends. He's one of them. This is exactly the type of guy that you're looking to get late. Well, it's only 40 targets. You know, we could have looked at uh, Alberto and said, wow, he has great metrics, but they weren't nearly as good as, as Chigo Conquo. In fact, let me get this stat from uh, from Warren Sharp, and it is that in the last five years there have only been five players with a season of uh, a greater than or more than a point three five expected points added per target, more than seven point nine yards after the catch per reception, um, thirty and thirty receptions, and those players are Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, George Kittle, and Chigo Conquo. So, just true. look. 
I'm not saying I'm drafting him as a top five tight end. I'm just saying there's a there are, uh, there's some really encouraging things with Chigo Conquo. I do hope they can use him more because it was only four, uh, it was right around 40 targets for him. Um, not a lot, but very good. Seven point nine be, four yards after holding Johnny. Uh, go ahead, yeah. Heath. Go. I, I may be holding Johnny Smith against him. Look, it, if anybody wants to get excited about Chigo Conquo, try to find he had a 48 yard catch against the Kansas City Chiefs. Caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage. It was a tight end screen. He should have had a one-yard gain. He broke about four tackles. It was unbelievable. And and not only that, he, it's not like he's had... He had the... Dave, you were just talking about his yak per catch. It was almost eight yards after the catch per catch. Yeah, the was, play you're talking about is a big reason why. Not just that, though. It, it was... Uh, he had the highest yak per catch of any non-running back other than Debo Samuel. Um, and... Uh, he wasn't like this really low A dot guy. He had you know, kind of like an average A dot. You know, a lot of times guys who have very high yak per catch have a really low A dot. Wasn't the case for him. He can make plays downfield too. So just watching a little bit of film on him today, seeing the stats, yeah, at least you at least have to go into your draft conscious of Chigo Conquo. I think there we can you go. we can agree on that. Yes. Heath, yeah. <laughs> he should be drafted. <laughs> Okay. Um, <clears throat> how about uh, fun stat number two here? Fun fact number two. Like, like I think a, a good way to look at it is, I'm sorry, we're, we're sticking with Chico Conquo for a second. Yeah. Like, do you want to draft that guy who did some incredible things on some really l- short volume? Or do you want to get draft the guy that a year ago we all thought was better who was behind Zach Ertz? Uh, wait, who? Dallas Goddard? Oh, oh you're talking about Arizona, Trey McBride? Oh. Uh, I would I would draft Oconquo. I mean, if Ertz is gone, it's definitely McBride for me. Yeah, he's interesting too. I mean, obviously, a lot better pedigree. It looks like Oconquo. I mean, he didn't have a very big college career or anything like that, but uh, might have been a total steal in round four. I think maybe round five they drafted him. Oconquo. D- yeah. Uh, Dave, who would you rather have, McBride, if Ertz is gone, or Chico Conquo? I'm probably going to lean toward Okonkwo because I've seen him do more. But they're both in that boat of grab him late, see what happens. And I'll tell you what, McBride's probably got the better athletic profile than Okonkwo. Right. And I did look it up. John O. Smith averaged two-tenths of a yard more per target in his great season with the Titans than Chico Okonkwo did last year. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But not more yet. Okonkwo and McBride are actually back-to-back for me in my tight end I think they might be for me, too. All right, here's a stat about Kyle Pitts, who is part of the show as a third-year tight end who had a terrible season, was about 20th per game. Uh, he led all tight ends with a 13.8-yard dot, average depth of target, 13.8. If you recall, I don't remember. I think we were—oh, it was yesterday. We are talking about the sophomore wide receivers. It was Monday, sorry, Monday show. And we had a whole bunch of, of, of incoming sophomore wide receivers, the rookies from last year, who had very high dots. They were in the top seven. Four of them were in the top seven. I said, it's hard to find wide receivers— with good fantasy seasons and an A dot over 14 yards. Kyle Pitts was at 13.8. The site, one of the sites that we use for stats is True Media. They go back to 2006 with A dot. That's the highest A dot for any tight end that I've that in that stretch with 40 or more targets. 13.8. It's too high. <laughs> I mean, let's lower that. All right, Kyle Pitts, you're trying to what went wrong with Kyle Pitts? 
Not enough easy stuff. Too much downfield, I think, with the targets. 13.8 yards, that's crazy high for a tight end. And uh, might be one of the reasons why, no, that plus the quarterback play, that uh, he didn't have a good year. Your thoughts? I remember a game where Pitts, I think he had like five or six targets of 16-plus air yards. And that might be what's pumping up this number to be so high. Doesn't but, matter. It's fourteen. You know, it's a. Yeah, I don't know. If you have a game where they're just chucking it deep to you all the time, and that game is an outlier, and if you take that game out, and I can try and find it here, I'll, I'll go do it right now. No, if if there is such a thing where you can find out what the A dot is outside of that game, if that game existed in my mind, I think it did. Chargers game. Maybe he had, a, he had an eight out of twenty nine point seven yards against the Chargers. <laughs> they just kept chucking it to him. So I wonder what his A dot is if you take that game out. It's probably yeah. significantly lower. Okay, I, I can do that uh, in a bit. Um, next stat is about, about Pat Fryermuth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just want to point out, this is kind of an interesting one if you look at the schedule, but Pittsburgh's offense and how often they threw. The first eight games of the year, they had a bye in Week 9. First eight games of the year, they went 2-6. and six. They allowed 24.6 points per game. This is the Steelers. They threw 36.6 passes per game. Pat Fryermuth was on pace for 117 targets. I don't care who he is. You're going to draft a guy who's on pace for 117 targets. Uh, the last nine games of the year, he was only on pace for 94 targets. The Steelers averaged, uh, they allowed 16.6 points per game, and they averaged six fewer pass attempts per game, and they went 7-2 and two, compared to 2-6 and six in the first eight games of the season. And Fryermuth was on pace again for just 94 targets, just 689 yards. So something to keep in mind. And, the you know, the thing is, T.J. Watt only played in one of those first eight games, and he played in the entire second half. But then you look at the schedule, and they they played like one good offense in the second half of the season, and it was the Bengals who scored like thirty-seven points. So, I know there's a lot there, but I don't know. Just thoughts, Heath, on Fryermuth, and and does he need to be considering there's Pickens and Johnson there? Does he need to be in a high volume pass offense? And if T.J. Watt is there, I'm not sure they're going to have that. I don't think so. I mean, looking at that second half, he had 15.9, 10.6, 13.3, 13.6. He had some duds in there as well. I don't know if he got hurt or not. He had a game where he didn't have a target and played 56% of the snaps, so I'm not sure what happened in that game. Um, but he was still a top 12 tight end. I think he's, a, for me, I think he's one of the, the top touchdown regression candidates for the second year in a row, just in a different direction. And I was happy with the way that his role in the offense grew. Um, I think you should expect somewhere around 100 targets. You should expect probably somewhere between seven, eight, 800 yards. And if he scores seven touchdowns, he's going to be great. And if he scores two again, he's going to be bad. Dave, did you find your Kyle Pitts stat? I did. Okay. In weeks one through eight, Kyle Pitts had an 11.3 A dot. And then week nine game was against the Chargers. That's the one we referenced. After that game, he played two more. His A dot was 12.8. So threw it a little bit deeper, a little bit more. Oh, and I should also mention that in those first eight games that he played, where the A dot was eleven point three, it includes a game against Seattle where his A dot was over twenty. Yeah. Well, so even yeah. if you, if you were to take out those two outliers, now his A dot is right around where you want it to be, Adam. Uh, all right, so but hopefully <laughs> you're a little happier. Uh, maybe and fantasy managers should be happy that there's a player who's got a, you know, typical A dot, but has had a couple of games where that A dot gets a little crazy. Woo. Let's see an A dot over 20 once in a while for these guys. 
that those should be their splash play games. I guess. I guess he needs but, a quarterback. But Dave, I'm I mean, convinced. I know, but but can't just take away Kyle Pitts's high A dot games and not other tight end high high A dot games. But I see your point. Well, most it, tight ends I, don't have a game where they have five or six targets with a sixteen A dot. Yeah, or a twenty nine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. No, look, I guess that's is that encouraging? I was actually hoping that that could explain the struggles, but now you're saying that for most of the year he had a pretty normal A dot, at least for him, and he still sucked. He had a nine target game against Carolina where his A dot was six point three. And what did he do in that game? Well, five catches mm-hmm. for eighty yards <laughs> no. and he scored a touchdown. Oh, that is yes, he did have that game. Uh, he he also had a three catch for nine yard game on five targets with an eight out of four yards. So it was an interesting year for uh, for Kyle Pitts. Uh, listen, listen, yeah, uh, we gotta get ready for the NFL draft, right? It's coming up end of April. Check out the with the first pick podcast. Ryan Wilson hosts. Got Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, on there, and other great guests to talk to you about the prospects that you need to know, mock drafts, all the latest news. I mean, obviously, NFL Combine starting you know, it started yesterday, but you know, today it really picks up with the players working out. This is the time to listen to the With the First Pick podcast. I'm going to be listening to it, so check it out with the first pick. Here are your news and notes coming out of the NFL Combine where coaches and GMs are speaking. The Bucks plan this is really a lot of stuff here. The Bucks plan to release Leonard Fournette. Quick reaction. Go. I bet he waits until halfway through training camp to sign with another team. Well, let's talk about Rashad White, though. Borderline number two running back. Low end number two running back. Um, and, yeah. We're probably sure. Yep. And that could get blown to smithereens if they draft one of the talented running backs in this year's class. And I I just expect Fournette to be a spoiler from this point on. He, I, I wouldn't draft him really as a top 30 running back. Probably Maybe not even top 40. What round would you draft him in? In a full PPR After league? eight? I'm good with that. Okay. Javante Williams, according to the Broncos, is on track to play in week one, and that contradicts a recent report. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Well, it, I think the language was not he uh, – I think that they are hopeful at this point that he'll be ready for week one. Did he say he's on track for week one? And I don't think anybody's on track in February for week one. But did he say he's on track or we're Yes, he we're, said on track hopeful? on track to be ready for the start of the year. Well, quote on track to be ready end quote to be ready for the start of the year, according to James Palmer, who covers who works who for the NFL network. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's left the station. I'm very he's on the track. He's got a goal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next up. Next. Next. The Bengals are not trading T. Higgins, according to Duke Tobin, their director of player personnel. But of course not. Duke Tobin said he does not know if Joe Mixon will be on the team in 2023. He quoted Kevin Malone when he mentioned when he said, "I don't know about Joe Mixon." He quoted who? Kevin Malone. Kevin Malone. Oh, from the Office. Yes. <laughs> what did he say? He said, to quote Kevin Malone, I don't uh, know. <laughs> okay, awesome. So some people didn't realize he was kind of, you know, making a joke when he said, I don't know. But the fact that he couldn't, like, completely get behind, yes, Joe's going to be there and all that, to me, that that says a lot. 
I mean, the chili scene is one of the all-time greats, right? Awesome. Just amazing. And Joe Mixon's about to be the chili that goes all over the floor. <laughs> He's not it's staying in that how, how much do I pay, t- pay cut will Joe Mixon take? That's oh, yeah, the, could be that's that the only question. Sure. Right. That's why they don't know. Let's talk about the Bills real quick. GM Brandon Bean said he's excited to see what James Cook can do with an expanded workload and more touches. And he's also very Wee. confident in Gabe Davis as the team's number two receiver. Wee. Which one are you buying more? A big year for James Cook or a big year for Gabe Davis? I'll say Cook. Um, yeah, I've got Cook, I think, right behind Rashad White in that same num- low-end number two running back he's going to share with somebody. Um, and I view Gabe Davis almost exactly as I did at this time last year. He's a boom bust number three wide receiver. Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier is going to take the season off and return in 2024. Seattle's, uh, GM said that talks with Geno Smith are positive, but they also said, he also said that the team is really scouting heavily the rookie quarterbacks. So you know, we'll see what happens there. You obviously could do both. You could sign Geno Smith to a short deal and draft a quarterback. Seattle will lose a starting offensive lineman. Austin Blythe is retiring. Houston GM Nick Casario did not commit to keeping Brandon Cooks, and he said that he would do what's best for the team in regards to Brandon Cooks. So what do you guys think about Cooks? When He went, I don't remember where he went yesterday, maybe like the end of round six or something like that, maybe later. In the I list. think it was a little too soon. You want me to look it up? I got it right here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, I'll look it up. Heath, what do you think of Brandon Cooks? Um, if he's staying on the Texans, I'm probably going to be closer to round nine-ish on him. But there's a potential or multiple potential landing spots where he might go be in a better mood and be the clear number one wide receiver. Okay. That's what I'm banking on. I've got him as an early round eight pick because I think he'll go on a, a different team. I'm hoping that he goes to a different team. He can be a number two receiver for that team, and that'll be an explosive offense. We have a lot of. No, I don't want him to go to Chicago and and be their new number one or something like that. I don't know if that'll work out for him, but if that's the case and Fields is the quarterback, then maybe there's some appeal to him in that round eight, nine range. I'm hoping for better than that. He went with the last pick in round seven in our listener only mock. All right, uh, some quarterback news here. The Titans are going to bring back Ryan Tannehill. The Falcons release Marcus Mariota. The Dolphins have not decided whether or not to pick up Tua Tungabailoa's fifth-year option. So he's going into his fourth year. They have to decide if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option or else he'll be a free agent after that. Exactly what happened with Daniel Jones. Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He had this good year, and now he's a free agent. Uh, The Commanders release Carson Wentz, and they said that Sam Howell is going to begin the offseason as the number one quarterback, but he is not the starter yet. And they also franchise tag defensive tackle Deron Payne. We may set a record. I was thinking about this because I'm writing our free agents quarterback preview. And I know there was a year when Tom Brady was a free agent, so that would skew the numbers. But the total number of games started by available free agent quarterbacks is insane. A lot of experience out there. A lot, a lot, a lot. Like Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, Marcus Moore, like a lot of quarterbacks who have started a lot of games. And a lot of them are not going to get jobs. And it doesn't even include Aaron Rodgers, by the way. He's not a free agent. Uh, All right, how about Trey Lance? Expected to be ready to go, full go, for OTAs in May. And San Francisco does not have a concrete timeline on Brock Purdy. 
So Purdy hasn't had the surgery yet, right? Yeah. No, not that I I remember it was delayed because of swelling. Right. So I thought the understanding was they won't know what type of surgery to actually perform until they actually see what the damage is in his elbow. Andy Reid, I think it was Andy Reid, uh, someone from the Chiefs, said that both Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony will have bigger roles next season. Well, they, they if they're on the team, they won't have smaller <laughs> roles. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Kadarius Tony's time with the Chiefs is going to go down. It's like some of the most overrated production ever. He averaged 24.4 yards per game in the regular season with the Chiefs. I'm not that does nothing to do with his outlook for 2023. But he really didn't do that much with the Chiefs. He did have, of I course, mean, the biggest one of the biggest punt returns in Chiefs history. He helped him win a Super Bowl. It's justified. Right. The trade's been justified. Oh, the trade is oh, justified, but it's right. he didn't do that much with the Chiefs. I mean, you know, but but uh, it was a good trade, obviously. He's another player that's got ridiculous potential to help us in fantasy. The downside is that it it feels like his hamstring is a weekly time bomb. Yeah. Where you, you might you might have Kadarius Sony for two weeks and then you don't have him for four. And then you've got him for two and then you don't have him for four. He went 79th overall in the listener mock on Tuesday. The Cowboys won offensive tackle Tyron Smith back. Uh, they are also saying not, they are not philosophically opposed to drafting a running back in the first round. And the Giants released Kenny Galladay. And we're going to a commercial break. We'll be back to talk more about young tight ends after this on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's crazy that we we just mention Galladay and we don't have to talk about him. We just go right to the break. Is this before or after the break, Dave? Because I think this, this is, is after the break. Is after the break? Okay. Um, I get to choose. <laughs> uh, yeah. What What is there to say about Kenny Galladay? There's nothing to say about Kenny Well, we Galladay. were just talking about the most overrated time of a player spent with a team. Not overrated at all. I, appropriately rated as terrible. Caught one touchdown in two seasons. And all right, now let's get back to the year two, three tight ends. <laughs> how much did he make per touchdown? <laughs> Eight, all. 80, he made oh, all. I don't know how much he made. His contract was like 80 million or something, right? So hold on. Would would either of you consider him with one of your last three picks on draft day? No. <laughs> no. Now he's done. It's a shame. Done. Washed. It's a, washed okay. up, yeah. Okay. Questions about the young tight ends, the year two and three tight ends. So we're talking about guys like Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth and Oconquo and Dulcich and Otten and McBride and Bellinger, Jelani Woods, Jake Ferguson maybe, Isaiah Likely, Tommy Tremble, Brevin Jordan. Not all of these guys are going to be discussed. So how many of them are you excited about for 2023? 
three in the first 10 rounds and three in the double-digit rounds. Four in the double-digit rounds. You're excited about that many. Excited about three in the first 10 rounds. Not you're willing to draft, but excited. Yeah. Okay, and, and those three again are? Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth, Greg Dulcich. Dave, how do you feel about the that top three? Is that your top three as well? I've got Dulcich over Fryermuth as of now. They're back-to-back at 10 and 11 in my PPR rankings. A little more excited about Dulcich now that Sean Payton's in Denver, and I'm hoping that he chooses Dulcich to be his main tight end. We'll see how that goes. I want to be excited about Kyle Pitts. I feel like I will be. Like, I feel like I'll be totally reinvigorated about Kyle Pitts once I see what the Falcons do at quarterback. The bigger the splash they make at quarterback, the more excited I will be about Pitts and Drake London. Because I think that that's just, it's a huge missing piece that he hasn't had so far in his career. He's got the type of role that we love, love a tight end to have. And he gets a ton of opportunities. We know what his potential is in the end zone. He just needs a, a quarterback that's going to get him the ball, and it would help if he was in an offense that wouldn't run the ball so darn much. Yeah, and maybe that'll happen because the bigger splash they make a quarterback, the more they're going to lean on that quarterback and away from Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. Yeah, when when are you guys taking Kyle Pitts, and where are you ranking Kyle Pitts? He's fourth for me at tight end, and. As of now, without knowing the quarterback, he's around six pick. I'm probably not going to get him there. If I absolutely love the quarterback, Adam, I, I might go as high as round four, like early round four on Kyle Pitts. I might take that plunge again with him. Yeah, fourth and round six for me as well. Yeah, I think Chris has a pretty interesting point on him. I think Chris has Kyle Pitts as his number three tight end because he thinks that he's the only player after Kelsey and Andrews that could really be a major difference maker at the position. And yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with him unless there are injuries. Like if, if there's an injury in San Francisco, if there's an injury to AJ Brown or Devonte Smith in Philadelphia, but if you just look on paper at those guys, I mean, are you going to win your league with Goddard or Hawkinson or Waller or somebody? I see his point. I see his point about the upside for Kyle Pitts being significantly higher than anyone's other than Kelsey's and Andrews. Do, do you guys, how do you feel about that? I think a lot more people won their, their league last year with Goddard and Hawkinson and, and Waller and Kittle than they did with Pitts. That's not, that is not the point. But you, well, the point you just, one of your points was, are you going to win your league with those guys? And thousands of people did last year. Hawkinson, especially. Um, I don't know if that's true, by the way. Um, and you, I have a feeling. You don't think that people. W- no, I think they did more so with with those guys than Pitts. Pitts was one of the biggest busts in fantasy. I'm not, but I don't know that those guys really contributed to fantasy wins. You know what I mean? I, they didn't really have standout seasons. Kelsey's the only one who had a standout season, really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, George Kittle scored five touchdowns and had like 250 yards in the three fantasy playoff games. Yeah. Um, I Maybe. He averaged sure he 21.6. He averaged 21.6 PPR points per game in his last four. Kittle did. Okay. Well, yeah, Kittle, I think, was uh, number three per game. No, number two per game. You know, a lot of that had to do with who the quarterback was and the quarterback's tendency to throw to tight ends. We saw that with Brock Purdy back when he was in college. And for him to kind of pick that up again was something that we were hoping for, and he did. 
I, I, but I, this is not a 2022 question. Why do we always do that? I'm asking if you think that's the case for 2023. No, I think it's harder to make that case in 2023 because we still know that. Well, first of all, we don't know that that the quarterback that he succeeded with, that Kittle succeeded with, is going to be there at all in 2023. So that's a huge strike against George Kittle. You want to know what Kittle averaged? Well, he didn't really play that much with Trey Lance last year. Did he play at all? No, Trey Lance no, last year? I don't think he did. No, no. So we don't have a, a firm idea of what the expectations would be with Kittle and Lance. I'm sorry. It's, but hold on. Know. It's not. It, uh, um, let me. Narrow the question down. Do you think Travis Kelsey, or do you think Kyle Pitts has the third most upside among all tight ends? And overall, your thoughts on Chris's, because I did check his rankings. He has Pitts third. Right. Chris's philosophy. We have fourth. So it's not a big argument. Okay. Um, I, my problem, when the reason I said what I said, I don't like saying this guy who's never done it is the only one who could do what this guy did last year, but he can't do now. I I don't want to say he's I, I, the only one. I I, I don't. I didn't like mean we're to put saying it that Kyle way. Pitts could have upside if the offense throws more and he gets a good quarterback. But we don't want to consider possibilities changing for Hawkinson or Kittle or Goddard. If their situations stay the same, but Kyle Pitts' situation is perfect, I do think he has more upside than them. First of I'm all, a, this, if, you're arguing with Chris. George, you're arguing with Chris, not me. So let's keep my, that in I mind. I do think that if George Kittle's situation is perfect, he has the upside to win your league for sure. I do think. What is that? Dal- What's that? What does that look like for Kittle? I mean, just look at the four other times he's done it. Yeah. Sure, but that like it looks like that, him being he, George Kittle. That happened with Trey Lance <laughs> as his quarterback. No, I, if Trey Lance is terrible, he's not going to be the quarterback the whole year. If, if Trey Lance is, is just good, you know, just like a normal a normal Trey Lance, you know, what we expect, average Trey Lance season, which you know, obviously we don't know what that is, but uh, and Debo <laughs> well, Samuel, that, that's going to be a lot of running, right? Exactly, fast. that's my point. Debo Samuel, Ayuk, and Kittle are healthy for most of the season. Then I don't think George Kittle's winning you a fantasy league. Agreed. Right. If, Plus he's older, and we know that he's got a track record of being. I, I, but I don't disagree with that at all. Right. But what I'm saying is, if Kyle Pitts' situation remains exactly the same as it is right now, I don't think he has that much upside either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> take it up with Chris. <laughs> I don't need to take it up with Chris. I don't disagree with him that much. We, I, he has him third. I have him fourth. Yeah. Uh, who in this group could you see becoming a must-start in fantasy of the year two, three tight ends? Who could be a must-start in fantasy? Besides Pitts. Sure, he put him in there. Pitts one. Who else? Dulcich. Fryermuth. Fryermuth. Um, how far do we want to go with could? <laughs> I think I'm done with could. I mean, I guess maybe Oconquil. So I 100% believe if Zach Ertz is gone, that Trey McBride could be a must-start tight end. All it would require is him living up to his ability and getting the same number of targets that Ertz has in the past. Um. And I think Oconquo could. I don't think it's near as likely. Right. Imagine this scenario for McBride where they get, obviously they're not going to have a great quarterback to start the year because Kyler will expect back at some point. Ertz is on the shelf, if not off the team. Hopkins is off the team. Marquise Brown would be the number one target. We know that he has a hard time staying healthy. McBride's got a shot. Heath, you're right. To really pick up a ton of targets and to really get involved in an offense that's different now 
because we've seen the Cliff Kingsbury offenses before not feature tight ends. They haven't had a major role. Ertz kind of bucked that trend, but this is a new offense now. We really don't know what kind of an offense this is going to be. We had, there, there is no book on Drew Petzing as the offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. But if it's a West Coast system and he came from one, the tight end's going to get a lot of use. Yeah. McBride belongs in this conversation. He could be a, a must-start tight end. He, McBride played 12 games in 2021 for Colorado State. And he had 1,121 yards, only one yep. touchdown. But 90-something catches. 90 catches on the nose and about 90 yards per game or whatever. I don't know. 1121 divided by 12. But uh, yeah, um, very impressive production and a high pedigree. So you guys said five guys that you could see as must starts this year Kyle Pitts, Greg Dulcich, Pat Fryermuth, Chigo Conquo, Trey McBride. And the one guy that I'd like to talk a little bit more about, and then we'll settle on some emails at the end of the show at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, is Greg Dulcich, guys. Uh, Heath, you seem to be pretty high on him. You have him in your top 10. He had a really good, he missed the first five games of the season. He missed the last two games of the season. Both were soft tissue injuries, but um, started out great. First three games were really impressive for Greg Dulcich, and then after that, he really faded. He, he by the way, scored uh, double-digit PPR fantasy points in all three of his first first three games. Then he faded only two games in his last seven with more than 7.2 PPR fantasy points. All right, tell me why you like Greg Dulcich. Uh, he exhibited some things as a rookie tight end that we don't generally see from them. He had the pedigree coming in as the second best tight end in this class. He has the long hair that bounces on his shoulder pad that <laughs> makes him look like he's running faster. Um, and I think that there are going to be, uh, there's going to be a, a, a chunk of tight end targets designated for the tight end in this offense. Dave. He's absolutely worth targeting after pick number 100 in your draft, and you might even get so excited that you'll get him at 95 or 96. Uh, the reason why you should be excited about Dulcich is because he's a good move tight end. He's got just enough speed and elusiveness for his size. and He's a big kid, too, just like McBride. Um, Sean Payton's track record with tight ends, you can go back and look at it in New Orleans. You know that it's been really good. Not quite as good as running backs, but still very, very good. And I like the fact that he lined up in the slot 46% of the time last year. And if he keeps that up, then he's certainly got the profile of being more like Mark Andrews and less like George Kittle. And I would like that very much. I think that he's got a chance. Does he have the chance to be the number two target getter in Denver as the team stands now? That's the one thing that is that feels a little tricky to me. But between Judy maybe being on and off the field and Sutton, Sutton regressing... I could see it happening. So I, li- I like him as one of those tight ends that you uh, you miss out on the studs early. You get to round nine. You take Greg Dulcich. Maybe you back him up with Okonkwo or McBride, and you use him as your starter to begin the year. Okay, give me your quick thoughts. Quick thoughts to end the show on the following players. Cade Otten of Tampa Bay. I think he's been overlooked on this show and mm-hmm. has a little more upside than we've given him credit for, but they need to trade one of Godwin or Evans for that to come into fruition. I agree. Uh, he actually led all first and second year tight ends in red zone targets last year with 15. He's absolutely going to be a part of this Bucks offense. I'm just not sure how much uh, usage he will get. So not quite in that same range as Okonkwo and McBride. 
but maybe right behind. Yeah. I don't really care that much about stats for guys who had, you know, 65 targets as a rookie tight end. So I'm just going to say this as a 15 of his 65 targets were red zone targets and you don't care. No, no, I was going to say a different stat. Um, I'm just going to say this as a, this is interesting, just a fun note for football fans. Of the 34 tight ends who had 40 or more targets, Kate Otten was dead last in yards per route run. He had a very, very inefficient season. Okay, um, who else is, who's next? Jake Ferguson for the Cowboys. Potential replacement for Dalton Schultz. Um, Another solid move tight end. Actually had a high target per route run last year, 21.2%. He just didn't get a lot of targets. Someone to keep an eye on in training camp. Definitely someone to keep an eye on in dynasty play. If he's the starter, I'll probably rank him in the top 15 because the Cowboys pretty much always throw 100 passes to a tight end. He had one game with more than three targets. Uh, Jake Ferguson had six targets at the Eagles with Cooper Rush at quarterback, four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Daniel Bellinger. Daniel Bellinger had a four-yard A dot, and I thought that was low. Jake Ferguson actually had a three-and-a-half-yard A dot. Yes, so, he did. Uh, but Bellinger, guys, a quick thought on Bellinger. Um, I don't think it's particularly likely he'll be top two on the Giants in targets and really view him as more of a touchdown or bust tight end from week to week. Okay. Uh, Jelani Woods for the Colts, who had an eight-catch, 98-yard game against the Steelers. Oh, and that was pretty I much it. I love that game. <laughs> uh, Jelani I, Woods. I, I like him because he's such an outlier physically. He's 6'7", and like 250 pounds, but he runs like he's 6'7", and 250 pounds. Unlikely to be top two in targets on the Colts. Probably more of a plus size touchdown or bust tight end. Uh, stream him whenever he plays on Monday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs> he had, I think, he had two good games all year, and they were both on Monday Night Football. Oh, all right, that's, that's two games too many for the Colts on Monday Night Football. Carolina's Tommy Tremble. Anyone care about Tommy Tremble? I think he's a pretty good talent. I think he's an ascending talent. He just doesn't get a lot of opportunities. Okay, I mean, he's not unlikely he'll be top two Um, targets in Carolina. Yes, Jelani Woods had more receiving yards on Monday than he did on Sunday. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, um, Dave keeps talking about top two in targets on your team. So that's we've established that with 2022 being kind of an exception, almost every top five tight end at the end of the year is uh, in PPR is top two on his team in targets. Uh, There were two exceptions this year. But uh, this past year, uh, but Dave, we're not talking about top five guys. This group doesn't need to be top two on their team in targets, but that's what Dave keeps bringing up. But um, Isaiah likely for the Ravens. Uh, I like him. I think he's more receiver than tight end. So he's kind of in that Kyle Pitts mold. And I think that there's some second year potential for him to, to do some good things in that Baltimore offense. But that being said, can he be top two in targets there? I'd be surprised, but he could be third. He could be third or fourth. Uh, I think he's a good player, but probably not going to get the opportunity that we'd want. Likely a starter if Andrews misses time. <laughs> not only would I say likely a starter, I would say that likely is a must-add player. If if Andrews, like if Andrews were to miss the season, I think likely would end up as a top twelve tight end in ADP. So, in a tight end premium league, if you get Andrews, is likely a must get. I'm not sure I'd go that far. Okay. You'd say it's unlikely. Brevin Jordan for the Texans. No, thanks. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm passing on Brevin Jordan. Okay. Well, we're going to read some emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. First, here's a quick video on what's coming up, uh, you know, in everyone's lives. March Madness time, and uh, let's, let's play it. Let's see what's coming up. March Madness is almost here. Who's in? Who's out? The answers are revealed on the March Madness Selection Show, March 12th on CBS. Yes. Great music. Amazing. Have you been working on your Rock Chalk Jayhawk? No, we're they all look good. They look really good. Well, of course they look good. They're Kansas. But uh, we have a, we have our own team that we're excited about. That's really good. We are. That's the Miami yes, Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are very good, despite their one point loss. They are very good. They were missing one of their best players when they lost on a thirty-five. I was say, I've only seen one Hurricane beater. game this year. Yeah, they uh, they are very they lost good. Lost to Florida State. Is Florida State really good? Florida State's horrible. No, they're they're awful. But and Miami lost them. Like they were I good. Said, the Miami was were awful in missing the missing one of their best players. Lost a twenty-five point lead in the second half. Lost on a thirty-five foot buzzer beater. They're really good. I'm telling you, for you filling out your bracket, Miami's going to the Elite Eight. All right. Uh, Unless they run into Did they go to the Elite Eight last year? They They did did not go. They got to the Final Four. They lost to Duke in the Final Four, I think. Um, The game against Kansas never happened. So Danny from (laughs) Frisco, Texas. Danny from Frisco, Texas says, uh, in the listener mock draft, you guys talked about the three quarterbacks that went in round two. But I'm interested in your overall thoughts on the position. 20 quarterbacks were drafted. Seven teams have multiple quarterbacks. Uh, I hear from a lot of analysts how you should only have one QB. Even Jamie and Dave give Adam a hard time when he wants to roster more than one. I don't know about Dave on that, by the way. Definitely Jamie. And you can always find a top 15 type guy on waivers, but this is not the case here in, in my experience with casual leagues. Did yesterday's mock draft make you rethink the position on how many quarterbacks you should roster in your, or how many quarterbacks you should draft? I just want to say first off that I really love, I don't know whose idea this was, but I love it. And I'm glad that we have mock drafts going on where quarterbacks are getting drafted, where they're going to get drafted in everyone else's league. It was Dave's so, idea and it was a terrific idea. It was and, a terrific well received. idea. Yeah. We're going to yeah. do it again. And, and I hope, cause I'm going to keep, um, I mean, it's, it's, I've talked about this many times, but lots of people don't listen to every show. Right. Uh, it's so frustrating when I draft a quarterback in round three where I have him ranked. I think I have those three quarterbacks ranked 26, 27, 28 overall right now. And it's so frustrating when I draft one of those guys in, in round three where I think they should go. And then everybody just decides, no, we're not going to draft quarterbacks in this draft. We'll draft them in round 10. <laughs> um, so good job. Yeah, and they went somewhere around 18, 19, 20 in the draft yesterday. And we're talking about Allen, Hurts, Mahomes. So uh, the question is... Looking at what we saw from a listener-only mock draft where 20 quarterbacks were drafted and knowing that people draft quarterbacks differently than we do, what advice? How many, people, how many quarterbacks should you draft in a 12-team league, I think is the question. What advice should we give people? The advice is as follows. I'm going to name a quarterback. You tell me how likely you are to draft a second quarterback to go behind this quarterback. Ready? Go. Patrick Mahomes. Why would you draft I'm going to tell you right now that I'm probably drafting a backup quarterback no matter who I have. Why? Because you have the potential. It's like a best player available philosophy. When you get to the end of your draft and people are drafting scrubs that you know you're going to cut, I might as well just draft a high. I'm going to draft. I don't know where Trey Lance is going to end up going, but Tua Tonga Vailoa. I would draft him. What if Mahomes gets hurt? You know, I, w- I would take well, a shot. Well, not even that. Player. What if the, the month that we saw from Tua is the reality for the first half of the season and you have Mahomes and Tua? 
Like, first off, somebody else doesn't have Tua. Exactly. Se- second off, like I know we say don't ever draft quarterbacks and stockpile them because you're going to trade them. But if they turn into a Tua's hot streak from last year or Justin Fields' hot streak from last year, you can absolutely trade them. Yes. How many trades did you see in your leagues for Tua or for Geno Smith? I made one. Or for anybody else that was... I made um, a trade with Adam for a different quarterback. Who? Oh, right. Uh, you gave me Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> I traded for Tua. I traded Burrow and Sutton for Tua and Mixon. And um, I thought, I, I mean, I made a very good trade. But... Uh, yeah, it doesn't. Well, it, look, it, we don't trade as much as other leagues too. I think because we're in fifteen leagues and we don't have time. Yeah, to trade. I'm not sure if that's if that's the case. I think a lot of leagues. I, I don't know many leagues where there's like constant trades going on. Right, I'm going to sum up my answer to this question right now. You, I would almost always draft two quarterbacks. I don't mind taking a second quarterback as a best player available type thing, but just make sure that there isn't another player at a different position that has some high upside that you could take instead especially when you've got one of the stud quarterbacks already. Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow. Do you ever see yourself not starting those guys? It's not the point. It, it might not be the point, but you also might be anyway. creating a little bit of a headache for yourself. By putting a good quarterback, not a great quarterback on your bench, you can't necessarily trade away, and it's too good to cut. And then that's that a, that's, true. A, that's an anvil on your bench. That's a good, that is a good point. It can be a little so, frustrating. You're saying like, oh, I'm never going to start Kirk Cousins, but I don't want to put him on the waiver wire. I can't trade him. Right. I, do get th- I do get that. That is a good point. So then, And then you're just waiting for the bye week, and then after that you might cut him by the time you get to the fantasy playoffs. Who knows? But yeah, let's I name some the, other quarterbacks. Lamar. The better, the better Justin, point here. Like, okay. The, the better point here is don't draft Kirk Cousins as your second quarterback if you drafted a good quarterback. Yeah, well, I was just using it as an example. But. No, I, but I think that's like that's a that's important. Um, draft Gino or, or not Gino Kyler or Tua or Deshaun Watson or Trey Lance like as a second quarterback. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay, because then you're saying that's the kind of guy who who could pop, and then you could have a real trade value. Right, right. You could also always trade the stud. Could do that too, right? If I don't know if that's what you'd want to do, but think about the people that had Justin Herbert last year. He was a top three quarterback in fantasy drafts. Yeah, he probably was traded a lot, and he's one of four other stud quarterbacks where you might want to have a backup quarterback: Lamar, Fields, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Things go sideways for them. You'd like to have a, a high upside quarterback ready to go on the bench. Yeah, I don't think so, Trevor Lawrence should be in that group yet, but agreed. Okay, I do uh, think. Go ahead, Dave. Wrap I do it up. think that. More than half of the leagues and every team will have a backup quarterback. And in basic home leagues, every team will. And then in a lot of leagues, you start two quarterbacks anyway, and this entire conversation doesn't even matter. <laughs> I would definitely draft two quarterbacks in a two, Q, in a two QB league, Dave, yes. Uh, yes how about from Shane? Where's Shane from? Shane is from Peoria, Illinois. Trade question in a dynasty league. Half PPR, three receivers, two flex. I have good receivers. Garrett Wilson, T. Higgins, Drake London, Dotson, Keenan Allen, Wandale, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Sky Moore, Nico Collins, DJ Chark, Tim Patrick. But the, Ooh, the Tim Patrick. The core is Garrett Wilson, T. Higgins, Drake London, Keenan Allen, and then you got some young guys too, Dotson, Wandale. I'm thin at running back. Dobbins, Dylan, Clyde, Khalil Herbert, blah, blah, blah. I have the first pick, likely taking B. John Robinson. I also have the sixth pick in round one and the second pick in round two. 
Someone reached out to me wanting to trade for one of Higgins, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, or Jahan Dotson, and is willing to part with one of his running backs in some kind of trade. ETN, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Damian Pierce. Would you stay pat, keep all the young receivers, and try to draft more running backs because he's going to have Bijan Robinson? Or would you make the trade and give up one of those four receivers, Higgins, Garrett Wilson, London, or Dotson, and get one of those running backs? I would not trade Wilson or Higgins or London for any of the running backs. Um, I would trade Dotson for many of those running backs. Okay, and those running backs are ETN, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, and Damian Pierce. How many of them, if if this other manager is willing to take Dotson, how many of those running backs would you take in a one-for-one? I might take them all. Um, definitely ETN, definitely Najee, definitely Damian Pierce. Um, I don't... Yeah, I'd, I'd take any one of them. I don't believe I would take um, Aaron Jones. Would you take two of them for London? Would you take need, Najee and ETN for Drake London? I don't need Najee and ETN if I've got Bijan and Dobbins. Like, I just need to add one running back. Then you keep London. Okay. From Scott from the land of Adley. I don't know what that means. Eight-team dynasty PPR IDP keeper league. Wait a minute. Aren't you like, don't you like baseball? Yeah. Isn't there oh, Balto Oscar? Adley Rushman from the from the uh, Orioles? That's where he's from. Okay. Uh, or is it where he's from? It's from the land of Adley. Where was he born? I have no they idea. may call themselves the land of Adley now. Is he that big a deal yet? Yeah, he's pretty big deal. He is in the baseball card world. Yeah, I wonder when he's going to get drafted. I wonder. I'm, I'm thinking he'll be. He'll. Everybody's going to reach five or six. Catcher. Yeah. yeah. Just a guess. Okay. Uh, I, I'm okay. Eight team dynasty, blah, 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 PPR. I've got ETN, Brees Hall, Pacheco, Miles Sanders, and Javante Williams. Rough year last year. Sorry. <laughs> Brees Hall and, and uh, Javante. I've been in the same league for 29 years, and I understand anything can happen between now and the season. But if the season started today, which four would you keep? ETN, Hall, Pacheco, <clears throat> Miles Sanders, Javante Williams, throwback one. I'm throwing back Sanders. Sanders is the chili. <laughs> from Chris. And Chris is from? Chris is from Eugene, Oregon. 10-team half PPR Superflex League. <coughs> Bad. My current quarterbacks are Dak Prescott, Zach Wilson, Brock Purdy, and Mitchell Trubisky. Ugh. I have four first-round picks. Pick 101, Bijan. Pick 103, Stroud or Young? Pick 104, whichever wide receiver I choose. Uh, with 107, should I go with another wide receiver or another young quarterback? Uh, depends on who's there. I would doubt that Addison will be there. And I'm not sure what to make of Quentin Johnston yet. But I would imagine one of... Levis or Richardson will be there. 
and it is a two quarterback league, and both of those guys have a lot of upside. Richardson's got crazy upside. You should not get. I feel like he should take a quarterback at three and four, and a wide receiver at seven. Well, it depends. He, he'll have feel. his pick of the wide receiver. So if he if he liked Jordan Addison the best, he likes Jackson Smith, Smith Najigba. He says in it right. So like, and I like him too. I think he's going to be better than what he showed last year. So it's it's almost like take your. I would take your pick of the of the wide receivers. I think because you're already going to get either Stroud or Young with 103. And you have that's guaranteed. Yeah. You have Dak, um, so, right? Yeah, you'll have two starters. Um, I would probably take another quarterback at seven, though. I wouldn't want to take Richardson or any other quarterback in this draft other than the top two over those top three wide receivers, I don't think. Or top two wide receivers for sure. Even in a two QB, Heath? I just don't I'm I'm I think you, you talk about their upside, but I think their floor is like Anthony Richardson, his floor is never playing. His floor is terrible. I mean, I guess Malik Willis. I'm not yeah. saying he is Malik Willis, but it's that floor. No, he's better than Malik. Wills. Oh my gosh, he's um, gonna be. The, he's the most interesting draft prospect is, quarterback. He really in, in is. I've been studying time. him. It's so exciting to to get into the debates and to see what people think. I'm I'm very. Yeah. I think if 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 a team takes the Mahomes approach with him, I think he's got a shot to be very good. And his fantasy potential is top five fantasy quarterback. I really believe that. But his floor, you said it, Malik Willis. See, that would be like sign Geno Smith to a a short term deal. Draft Anthony Richardson, that would be the kind of thing. You know, you're not starting him. He's not starting week one of, of his rookie season. He's got a long way to go. Uh, one of the least accurate, just the numbers, the completion percentage, one of the least accurate mm-hmm. quarterbacks. But Richardson, a lot. some people would take him number one overall. He's got so much potential, so many skills. Okay, from Steve. Where is Steve from? I think he's from uh, Beverly Hills, 90210. Number Steve? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Sure, we'll go with that. Okay. I'm in a keeper league that keeps our entire starting roster and just drafts our flex and bench players. 12-team standard scoring. I've been offered a trade. I would give up Cooper Cup. No, no, no. I would get Cooper Cup. So he would give up Amonra St. Brown and pick 109. And he, No, this is a no. And get Cooper yeah. Cup and pick 8.12. Nope. Not in a keeper league. Oh, but he does have, he does okay, he does have picks one point two, one point six, one point nine, one point eleven, and one point twelve. Holy cow! So he doesn't really. So that's need, awesome. He doesn't really. And this need isn't 1. a rookie 9. draft, right? He, no, it's not. Right. So he's going to get some real good players with those picks. Well, no, they keep their entire starting roster. Right. So he's going to get some solid players with those picks. He doesn't need 1.9, so would you give up in a standard scoring league? Basically, It's got to be a pick Saint higher than Cup. 8 to go with Cup. I don't know. 109 is like the ninth best player who didn't get kept when everybody's keeping their entire starting lineup. So, so But wait, hold on, hold on. But is that you, upgrade wait, worth wait, it? Wait, hold on, you're you're hold giving on. up St. Brown and the 60th. Oh, it's going to be more than 60th. Hold on, Dave. Like the 80th. Can I clarify what, what is being kept here? Because, yes, they're keeping a starting lineup, but they're all keeping one quarterback. They're all keeping a, a tight end. They're all keeping a kicker and a DST. There are going to be 24 running backs and 25 wide receiver, and twenty four wide receivers kept. 
So that's where you're starting. You're starting with the number threes at, at each position, or at, at running back. You're basically starting in round six. Yeah, but also there's kickers and DSTs being kept, so that doesn't matter. So it's like, would you give up ARSB and a sixth-round pick for Cooper Cup? And it's a standard scoring league, if that matters. So the middle of round six in my rankings, that's like Christian Kirk, David Montgomery, TJ Hawkins. Hawkinson will be kept. Traylon Burks. Would you give up Traylon Burks and a Monroe St. Brown for Cooper Cup? Yep. Yeah, especially when I had picks 1.2, 1.6, 1.11, and 1.12 still. He acquired all I, of those I guess picks. those picks just aren't worth what I thought they were worth. I didn't really pay close enough attention to what the keepers were. I mean, and, and we don't know also, like, are rookies included in this, or is there a separate draft? Mm. Yeah. Like, can I take Bijan at Good 102? Point. No, because he'll be 101. <laughs> he'll be 101, for sure. <laughs> all right, yeah, so uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get Cooper Cup. Sorry, I said no at first. I should have. Uh, I should have. Yeah, read making it not and that you said it was non PPR. Yeah, makes enough difference. I, right, I do think that matters when when you're talking A about lot. Saint Brown versus Cup. And yes, commenter Steve was the blonde rich guy with the curly hair. Steve he was, was fantastic in Sharknado, though. Oh, I didn't see that. If you like shark movies, you should watch that. Uh, something meters below. 40 meters below, what's it called? Um, 47 meters down. You ever heard of that one, Heath? No. I don't imagine it was probably as good as Sharknado, though. <laughs> we just watched it last week. It's about these girls who are diving and sharks eat people. So it's not bad. It's kind of no, I'm lost movie. in the uh, Taylor Sheridan multiverse. Subscribe to Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> there you go. It is remarkable. He's got like seven shows now. Is that a, the Yellowstone? Yellowstone, 1883, 1923 or 21. Um, Tulsa King, Mayor of Kingstown. It's, oh, wow. I didn't it's realize absurd. that. Yes. I just started Yellowstone. I watched the first 15 minutes. Yeah. It was, I liked it. Unfortunately, I have the Hulu with ads. So it's kind of a, yeah, pretty annoying, but right. <laughs> yeah, I got to upgrade. Yeah. All right, everybody, have a good day. We'll talk to you tomorrow with some of the worst second-half performers and what it means for 2023. Later. Later.